Welcome back to the Black Letter Podcast. We set out to create an entertaining and exciting podcast about law and business. Black Letter, the name, comes from the Gothic typeset. Over time, Black Letter became the only font that English law books were printed in. It made it harder for kind of the common person to understand what the English law books said. Black Letter came to represent something that was law, that was set in stone, that was sort of old and a well-settled fundamental principle of law. We're here to demystify black letter law. We're here to demystify things that happen in business and law and where those two meet. And I hope you have fun listening. Hi, thanks. It's Tom Dunlap with the Black Letter Podcast. Thanks for joining us again with me today. I've got Eric Olson from Array Digital. Eric is a professional marketer, website developer, content creator, and manager. Uh, I was on Eric's podcast recently, and we got to chatting. We had a fantastic conversation. So I asked him to join me and talk about his business, how he got started, and uh, you know, share his advice with you folks, entrepreneurs, lawyers, and everybody else. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us today. And uh, as you know, we talked about the format, three segments. Let's kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you came from and what, how you found your business or why you decided to start your business. Sure thing. Well, Tom, first, thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, I loved interviewing you. And so it's nice to be able to have you interview me now. Uh, no, yeah. This is great. So a little background about who I am. Uh, my name is Eric J. Olson. I'm the CEO of a digital marketing agency named Array Digital. We have a few different brands uh, within our agency where we focus on different niches, one for law, one for HVAC contractors, and then one for the local business community where we have our headquarters. My entrepreneurial uh, passion, and it's definitely a passion, started probably at about the age of 14 or so from doing odd jobs around the neighborhood, probably like most of your listeners have in the past, shoveling snow for money. That was like the first time that I made money. Uh, to cutting grass, to selling blow pops in school, uh, ducking uh, away from the principal when when you know they were coming close. I wasn't supposed to be doing that in the halls of high school. From the blow pops, I was selling them three for a dollar, and uh, I made about 150 bucks real quick, and that bought me a brand new skateboard. I was really happy about that. I always knew from a young age that I was interested in some sort of business, but I didn't really know what. Uh, fast forward after college. I changed careers a little bit. I ended up doing software development in about the year 2000. And I, I continued to build websites and uh, data intensive web applications. So not just a website, but where transactions are occurring, a lot of database and API right. things happening like that. And we would build these products for our clients. And sometimes they would want to build a business around that product. What we noticed over time is that they pay us a bunch of money, frankly, and we would deliver this product that would work great. And then they wouldn't do anything with it. They didn't have the money for marketing, or if they did the marketing, they would do it themselves and they would kind of like half-ass it, honestly. And so we started to recommend to our clients that, hey, whatever you pay us, you probably need to set that aside to market this product as well. And it was a little frustrating for us, even though we were getting paid, we wanted to have a portfolio of, of products that were successful in the marketplace and we couldn't right. really point to anything. So we started to tiptoe into the marketing for our clients. It started off slow, a little bit of social media, 
a little bit of uh, marketing websites in addition to like the more heavy duty web applications that we built, a little bit of SEO. I merged companies five years ago and we rebranded my company and my old partner or my, my, my partner's company to create Array Digital. And we started uh, into digital marketing very heavy at that point. We hired a digital marketing manager. And then I didn't know really much about it. So I just, I put my head down and I focused on this for a solid year. I consumed everything I could about digital marketing. I looked at all the metrics. I asked a ton of people, a ton of questions. And over that course of time, I realized that digital marketing was actually more valuable than the service that we were providing to build the thing that we were marketing. And so we quickly transitioned to become 100% digital marketing. We've been 100% digital marketing for the last four years. And we've also branched off and created a couple of different agencies for niche industries, for niche needs. So how did you determine uh, to make that shift? Was it revenue-based? Was it client, like client volume-based? Like what was it that made that shift for you? Because I think that to listeners might be interesting. How do you figure out my business is doing well? But here's a better sector for me where I could do much better. And, and you have to, there has to be some turning point where you have a realization and something has to lead to that. Yeah, th- there were a couple of things. So, so before we made the decision or before we even realized that we were about to make the decision, I had a real good inkling and intuition that marketing was more valuable to businesses in general than, than the thing that we built. Uh, so for me, uh, I had plateaued in the business. And, and I knew that I had reached basically saturation for my network. And so the challenge for me was getting the word out about my offering beyond my network, right? And so that required okay. marketing. So for me, it required marketing to advance the company. And then since we were doing some of those marketing services at the time, this is probably six, seven years ago, we knew that clients gravitated to that pretty quickly. They very much wanted that. Right? That was, that was an, a, an expense that they liked to spend. And it was also in their budget. Whereas these one-off projects usually were not in their budget. They had to scramble to get the money to do these one-off projects. They weren't really that happy about it because it's a sunk cost. And then when I was looking at our revenue, I realized at some point that given the staff that we had at the time for digital marketing and the fact that digital marketing was a recurring service, that came right. with recurring like revenue. Fixed. You build a website and then that client's gone. But marketing, that's a client. That's a subscription-based, essentially subscription-like service. I, I, I clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I and you that. know, as as a business owner, it it gets really tiring to chase those projects over and over and over again. Whereas with this recurring service and recurring revenue, it's like, okay, great. We can maybe take the the focus off of selling. So that we can put more focus on servicing, which is exactly what clients want. They don't want to be right. sold. They want to be serviced. So it's it's a much better model for us. I think it's the, uh, it, it's just what all businesses should probably try to aspire to is to try to get that recurring service and recurring revenue because it aligns your interests with your client's interests. Great. I love that. Eric, I'm going to ask you, uh, so I've got a good grasp of, Array Digital and what you do in these segments. When you said you've segmented your practice or your company into 
uh, niche focus areas? And I know you've said HVAC and law firms. And are they different company names? Do you have a different approach to the service, a different approach to how you market? What what led to that decision? And what's the value of segmenting like that? Sure. Great question. I appreciate it. So what we found, and we, we started off as a, as a generalist, like most agencies do. And what we found is that for whatever reason, we did better with some clients than others. And when, again, when I looked at the data and I looked at the clients, I realized that we really had unknowingly focused on three segments. The first was uh, home services companies. The second was lawyers. And the third was a lot of local companies. And those other two segments, they were were non-local, but we had a local, we had uh, law uh, beyond the local, and we had home services, which is the people that come in and work on your HVAC roof, stuff like that. And so, uh, and the majority of our revenue came from those three sources. At the same time, we joined a mastermind of digital agency owners, and it was just pounded in our head that uh, the riches are in the niches. And so we decided that we wanted to run like the first foray or for, foray, yeah, that's the right word, into niching was to, to establish a new brand specifically for HVAC clients. So that is something that we did a lot of. We worked with these HVAC air conditioning clients and we really knew the industry well. So we created another brand called Rival Digital. And that was about a year and a half ago. And we stood that up and they did very well, very quickly. And then we took the original company, Array Digital. We said, all right, well, we still have a local and we have lawyers that we service. How can we split this up? And so we created a second brand named Array Law, which is at ArrayLaw.com, which focuses exclusively on speaking to managing partners of law firms. So we, we have different avatars, marketing avatars, right? The people that were personas, the people that would be interested in this product. And we speak directly to them in a way that should resonate with them. So as an example, the, the persona for... HVAC contractors is completely different than for law firms. Yep. For for HVAC, we the avatar is called uh, Rival Rob, right? So it's Rival Digital, and then we've named him, him. Important to know that it's a him, Rob, and he's kind of your, kind of your good old boy, and he likes things like football and NASCAR. That's what we found as the majority of our clients in HVAC. So we speak to them in those kinds of terms. As a matter of fact, this coming up fall, we missed it this past fall. We didn't think about this until too late, but this next fall, we're going to have a rival digital fantasy football league because that's what they talk about. We get on these calls with them and they want to talk about fantasy football and football. Now, managing partners of lawyers, not so much, right? Now, of course there could be outliers, but they're usually madness and fantasy football at our law firm in the law firm, just to let you know. Well, there Every you go. So maybe I need to rethink this, but decades. <laughs> I don't know. It's an internal thing, but lawyers like like uh, basketball and football too, I, I think. But I get what you're saying. I just I, there's an aside. But you know, ma- managing partners of law firms generally have a decent amount of education, right? They have a law degree, uh, the high integrity, of course, but. Certainly, some different interests. Uh, probably, you know, a, a little more affluent than your 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 blue collar uh, person that works with their hands, even though they're running a company. 
So the way that we message is slightly different. And then some of the services are tweaked just a little bit uh, because of the needs of the, their customers as well. Right. So that that's how we've kind of um, tweaked it. And then and then Array Digital, which is really the parent company, uh, we have a local niche on that one. And, and so locally, if you go to thisisarray.com, it'll say very clearly that we service this area. And the term that we use is a term, I'll say it now, but probably no one that is listening is going to recognize this geographic location, which is called Hampton Roads, Virginia. I know it. I know All right, very it. few people do. I was a prosecutor in Norfolk right out of law school. So yeah. I know the area. Yeah. But that but I guarantee most if you hadn't been here, right, you probably wouldn't recognize that term because you can't look on a map and see it. And it's a relatively small market. So um when I talk to people outside of the area, I say I'm from Virginia Beach or Norfolk. Uh, but when I talk to people inside of the area, we're we're Hampton. So on our website we say Hampton Road. So okay. that's that's three examples of messaging for the different niches. Gotcha. So can I make just a, a, a guess at how you picked those niches, right? Cause you could have picked, um, you know, architects or you mm -hmm. could have picked uh, doctors, but to me, HVAC and lawyers and, and not probably law that I do so much IP and corporate, but more the personal injury and domestic relations. You picked yeah. markets where they are low, uh, inherently low technically skilled lawyers and HVAC and roofing people. They're not doing their own websites, their own tech, right? They're not an IT company. Yeah. And at the same time, they derive potentially a lot of their work from customers who are relatively agnostic about their services until they see the site on the internet. In other words, you picked marketplaces that inherently require what you do and can derive a lot of value from what you do. I mean, and that's just my guess. It sounds like we, we've done some studies on this internally at the firm, like, you know, maybe trademark prosecution. We could market that in the way, but we can't market M&A, like, yeah. like not not in a broad sense with AdWords. It just doesn't work. There's no such thing. So I, I, I wish I could claim that I was smart enough to have done all of that thinking <laughs> and uh, analysis before we picked the niches. But the reality is that as a as a general digital marketer back in the day, in the beginning, you, you take whatever you can get, and then you end up with this collection of different kinds of clients. And and we we just looked to see which ones out of this list, which ones we were doing the best for, which ones were the happiest. Empirical evidence. You proved my theory with empirical evidence. In and fact, so for whatever reason, those pop to the top. But in retrospect, and and, and now that you've said it, uh, you're probably correct, right? There was there was a reason and we never really put our finger on it. We just knew that right. it was. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thanks, Eric. So we're going to um, close this segment out and I'm going to have you back for segment two. And I'll ask you to think about a business challenge that you overcame or a business success, whatever you think would be good for our listeners that you learned from that they could advance learn from. So maybe they don't run into the same thing. Because uh, part of the, the show is the idea of the school of hard knocks. Let's take that knowledge and share it with others. So maybe they can find different or other hard knocks and avoid the ones we've had. Thanks for joining us on the Black Letter Podcast. Download us wherever you get your podcasts. iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, doesn't matter to me. Email, this is Eric's idea. Feel free to email me if you have questions, comments, or ideas for our show, or you might like to be a guest tdunlap at dblawyers.com. That's Delta Bravo Lima, lawyers.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on the Black Letter Podcast. 
That's all for today's episode of Black Letter. Thanks again for listening. Join us next time when we talk about more Black Letter issues in creative ways. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and check out our website at blackletterstudios.com.